podcast designed to analyze the games that we love, headlines of music, and the movies we can't forget. Iron Post Wins and Burns, my kind of first day, also, I'm worse, was not able to be here uh, tonight. Um, me, me and Trent were talking earlier, man. Like, it's it, it's always disappointing when, when St. Bob can't make these Christopher Nolan movies. But for Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer, the movie that's coming out in July, I hope we can, we can, we can get him on. Trent, as you can already tell, is our guest for this one. He's been on for countless times in the past. Thanks so much for being on, man. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's it's our thing. Anytime we, every time we're talking Christopher Nolan, uh, I'm always down for that. So uh, now, I don't know, man. Oppenheimer, it's uh, that's a solid three hours. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. See if I can make that. It, it's like, Gosh, those long be, movies, man. Yeah, those say, long. Save I might be a lightweight when it comes to that, man. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, for this episode, we're going to do a review of Dunkirk. And, and next week, for all the sports fans out there, me and Savon will be back to recap the finals and everything that happened with that. Um, but but this one is just an exclusive review of Dunkirk. And to start with the overview, uh, Dunkirk is a 2017 war film written and directed, produced by Christopher Nolan um, that depicts the Dunkirk evaluation of World War II from the perspective of the land, sea, and air. Uh, the ense- ensemble cast includes Fionn Whitehead, Tom Glenn Carey, Jack Loden, Harry Styles, and Tom Hardy. They had a budget of 82.5 to $150 million and brought in $527 million into the box office. Also had a 92% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and received um, eight nominations at the 90th uh, Academy Awards. Um, but to start off, Trin, like, what were your initial thoughts on a film that you know served up an emotionally satisfying spectacle? And you know, as I mentioned before, like this, the, the sound effects of this film are just so jarring. Um, it really is a is a is a spectacle in terms of just everything that Nolan put put together. And it, this was a very intense uh, war film. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, so I, this is one of the films I did not see in theaters, um, and I wish I would have gotten to see it in theaters. Um, but I remember the first time I watched it, I remember I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive I bought it off of Amazon early in 2020 because, hey, we couldn't go nowhere. So it's time to catch up on all the movies we hadn't seen, right? And uh, I think at the time, it just didn't really hit for me the way I thought it would. But I think it's because like I, I just wasn't, I wasn't really tuned in to like understand what was going on, the complexities of this film and like what all Nolan was doing with it. But recently just rewatched it and it, it finally clicked for me what's going on here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it, it is, it is a very, very eerie score. Like, I mean, you, you, you just it's feel haunting. it's really it, haunting. It's a, it's a very <laughs> haunting thing. I think it, 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 what Nolan does well in his films, as we've said countless times, right. Um, he's gonna he's going to kind of hit on this thing about time, right? He's going to hit on this thing about kind of the consequences of our actions and things like that. And I think for this film, he definitely kind of leans into. It. I think we're going to see also too with Oppenheimer when it comes out next month. Uh, I think we're going to see the consequences of war and what it does yeah. to people's kind of psyche and mentality and the way that it just kind of like it just destroys any kind of trust you have in the common man, right? But also, too, what a beautiful story this is of, like, highlighting the common good of doing something that, you know, could very well put you in harm's way, as we've seen in this film, but but standing up for a greater good in order to save someone else's life. And I think it's a a great, it's a beautiful illustration uh, of what it means to to look look out for the common good for your common man and um, make sure their life flourishes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and before we get to our first topic, you know, it's interesting because we're used to seeing Christopher Nolan delve into the psychological thrillers, yeah. um, the, the, the sci-fi type type films. And this was a different route for him going into a war film. Like, mm-hmm. um, what do you think about the fact that he chose a different genre? This was an Oscar nominated film. 
Like, like, do you feel as though it's one of those things where he kind of wanted to stretch the limits of what he can do just to not be boxed into like, oh, this is one category I can do. And la- now let me show the world what, what other genres I can tap into. Yeah. And I think, I mean, he, he's a storyteller, right? I think, I think storytellers do not want to be boxed in um, and be able to kind of like, oh, I can't do nothing else. I think, you know, to, to kind of veer off stuff just a little bit, you know, more, more recently, Brian Cranston is talking about stepping away from acting for at least a year. Right. And, and, right, yeah. and people kind of took it as, oh, he's done. He's like, no, I'm just, I need to kind of reboot my mind so that I, I can bring something new to the table. Like, I'm going to take time to, like, read and to kind of take in these, like, old stories and just yeah. spend time with my wife and kind of just be a normal person, right? I think because, like, storytellers, like, and even those who are kind of helping tell the story. They like burn out. <laughs> yeah, they, they get burned out, right? So they have to be able to, to recharge and to yeah. kind of push the limits on what they're doing, right? And you, you think about this, kind of like leading up to Dunkirk, um, obviously we had, you know, um, um, Insomnia, we have Memento, we had the Batman trilogy, and we had Interstellar, right? Um, and obviously Interstellar was definitely a, a deviation from what the Batman trilogy was. But then Dunkirk is like, again, like, like a historical element of this too, right? Um, and I think, so to, to have a film where he really dives into kind of the historical element of the world and of an event that took place. And also an event that, you know, I never heard about until I watched this film, right? So to kind of like bring something to light in that way, I think is really unique. And, it is, uh, and, and I think it's also a, uh, it speaks to kind of like the courage that he, and the belief he has in himself to be able to tell the story well. Um, yeah. So, and, um, and, and again, it, it, even going back to what we were just talking about, like the, the film itself is actually is pretty bland as far as like you know, like, you know I, I, of course Interstellar is such a big spectacle, right? Batman is such a big spectacle. Even um, Tenet and Inception are big spectacles. Like, like this, this is like, not a stylistic no. film. Like, if you look at this compared no. to, it might be his most bland film ever. Honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> it right. might be like you look at all those other films. Those are those are just inter- more entertaining films. This one, I think. Like you said, it's gonna it's it's one that grows on you over time for sure. But it's got a lot of depth in it. A lot for of sure, depth later. for sure. And I, but I think I think what he does, and as what he does with most things, what he does, I think he does well. Yeah, the, the the way they do shoot, and of course, we we know this. Like Nolan's thing is all about practical effects, right? Like he's not going to be somebody who's going to get a lot of visual effects in his stuff. Uh, I mean, even like read about what he did with uh, with Oppenheimer. Like, I mean, they are going, they actually simulated a bomb exploding, right? It wasn't like they went to the, the, the they're like, okay, well, we're going to film this and then we're going to get to the visual effects lab and then add the explosion. And no, they actually dropped an explosion yeah. in the same, right? Well, same thing here. You know, the, the way they're flying these planes, the way they are, you know, going with these ships and all that stuff, like it, it draws you in because it feels so real. So even yeah. though it may be quote unquote bland and just like, man, this is a lot of time spent looking at water and sand and, and guys in uniform, like, yeah, but, but it, it really kind of draws you into like, I think number one, this is the heroics of like, um, of just kind of like war, right? I mean, you look at Saving Private Ryan, um, any kind of like war classic that's come out over the last however many years, there's something about that draws people in, right? It's just the story of heroism and, again, of like laying down your life for a greater cause and a greater good to where evil is stopped. And uh, and Nolan taps into that once again. And, 
he, 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 even in what a film that may be kind of overlooked in the grand scheme of it all. Like, I think it's, it's another solid one on, on his list. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting into our first topic from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, I, I would go with three and a half. I think the structure, the use of sound and music and visuals, you know, came together in a, in a whole that, that is truly breathtaking. Um, for four, it, it's just like like we said, stylistically, it doesn't mm-hmm. to me. I, I I judge Nolan off the st- the style stylistic effects because that's yeah. what that's what he always <laughs> brings to the table. That's what I expect from him. But I I still think with what he did with Dunkirk, like you said, um, he's a storyteller. This was a story laid out very well. Um, from one to four stars, what will be your particular rating? Yeah, I'm hit, I'm hitting at the same area, three and a half, man. Um, you know, again, this is it's not a bad film by any means. Um, it's just it's just one that, um, yeah, it's just a slow burn, right? You really got to kind of be in for the ride. Um, and like I said, yeah, I think when I when I again, when I first watched this film, I, I was just looking for something kind of fill my time up, right? I wasn't ready to sit down and dissect like the the semantics of it all. I to be honest, like. I remember looking at it. It was the first time I watched a Nolan film. I was like, what is going on here? Why is Harry Styles here? And then why is he over here? Right. And then, and again, it's just another, like alluding to him playing with the time dynamics of the whole entire film. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I roll with three and a half. Um, you know, cause like, again, it's, I think it's a solid watch and it's going to give you everything you want from Nolan film. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be one of those ones that, yeah, you you really gonna be if you're gonna watch it, you need to make sure you have the time and then mind space to be able. To, it's not it's not one of those ones that you can, yeah, you know, kind of be like, oh, oh wow, that's cool, and go back to your phone, right? I mean, you yeah. you have to kind of like <laughs> locked in what's going on there because you will get so lost in this film. Oh, for sure, definitely. Um, and actually, to, to to favorite character, um, I went with Farrier because you know. To me, he's just an all-out hero that yeah. you know we, we we might expect to see in a war movie, but he really is set on you know putting the lives of others before the lives of himself. And I thought Tom Hardy just did an exceptional job um, yeah. bringing that 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 element into that character. Um, to you overall, who was your favorite character in this movie? Man, I love um, I, I love the father who was uh, who who had his boat. Um, Mister, uh, uh, his name is escaping, is escaping me right now. Uh, but, but he was the one, he was the one, like he took his boat to go like save like the soldiers and all this stuff. There yeah. was just a resolve to, to what he was doing that really set him apart as like, you know, we are on this mission. Like even like when, when they encounter Cillian Murphy in the water, he's like, no, we can't go back. Like I'm not going back. And yeah, you know, he's like, you know, very much steadfast. I'm going to stick to this mission because we've been asked to do this. Um, and then, of course, you find out in the end of it all that he lost a son early in the yeah. war. So, so the resolve to continue all over the mission is really powerful, right? Um, and just the way that he's just really selfless, him and his son, and also their deckhand, even though he tragically passes away, just so selfless with their time and what they have to be able to help somebody else. Mm. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, and now getting into most memorable scenes, uh, I had the opening scene also mm, running to yes. the beach, uh, the first bombing, sinking the metal, uh, the medical ship, uh, the oil blast, fighting for mm-hmm. the will, and then finally the ending scene where Barry is taken captive and the and the remaining uh, troops come back. Um, and to, to you overall, like, what was your your some of your memorable scenes? And also, I had another question, like. The opening scene for Nolan films always seems to be like one of the most important things. Like, yes, I think I, was, I think back to Tenet. Talk about this with you. Yes. Yeah, I think I, I just it always gets me. I'm like, man, 
even if it's a film that it's not my favorite Nolan film, the open there's always something about the opening yes. that is just like so important and like there's an urgency behind it. Like, what are your thoughts on that? And also, mm-hmm. what are some memorable scenes overall? Yeah, uh, and, and just like I credit Mr. Dawson. Mr. Dawson was the one who is my favorite character in this film. Um, so uh, yeah, so let's we'll start. Let's we'll start with Dunkirk. Uh, yes, the opening scene uh, is just so great. I mean, like you. Obviously, you're kind of thrust right into the middle of this like this conflict, um, which then ensues in chaos where they get yeah. you know, ambushed and all that stuff. Um, the the scene with uh, with the boat that gets like hit um, is just tragic. I mean, it's like we, we have to. There, there's a greater number at stake here if we do not save this little side over here, right? So they. Yeah. Pushing the boat away just to watch it explode and capsize is, is tragic. Uh, um, he, 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 later on in the film, the scene with the um, where the guys are trying to save the boat from from filling up with water again, tragic, right? Um, but but the but the that that last moment too, where you know, you yeah, obviously it's two separate moments of time, but you have like the the plane, the, the German plane coming over. And then you see it also coming over like the the beach as well too. It's like oh, this is the same plane, but at different times in the story. And then uh, Tom Hardy's guy comes in there and is, you know, is able to take it out with no fuel in his plane whatsoever, right? Um, yeah. Just that, yeah, just a visually like it, it really kind of grips you. Of like, man, this is this is that about is to so even go. Gripping. That right, is so yeah, visually it's gripping. So visually gripping, and. Um, but to to go on a second question, man, like yeah, I mean, um, let's just look at some of the films that like that that we talk about, right? Um, you know, Batman Begins. Um, you know, begins with this, you know, with uh, Bruce Wayne being like <laughs> held captive in prison. Like, what like, what is going on here, right? And of course, you know, the opening scene with like. You know, he collapses, or young Bruce Wayne collapses into the cave and all that stuff. Um, the Dark Knight, you have the opening scene with, with Heath Ledger. I mean, just quintessential classic cinema. I mean, grips I think that's his best. Right. I think that's Nolan's Goodness, best opening. Like, that's yeah, the yeah, I, best opening ever. <laughs> yeah, if, 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 if I rewind to that opening night when I saw that film, and you're just zooming in on that building, and just the glass just explodes, right? Man. And you... You're like, you see, we are in. We are locked in. <laughs> right. And then when you see Joker just standing there on the sidewalk with his mask in hand, uh, all the way to the point where he finally pulls his mask off, you're like, oh, yeah, we, we are on a ride. Um, you know, Inception with the opening scene where you're like, what the heck is going on here? Why, why, why is Leo being pulled from the ocean right now, right? Yeah. Um, Tenant, the open. Oh, goodness. Tenant, the opening I scene. I love, personally, I love the Tenant <laughs> opening, man. Oh, Tenet, Tenet is another one that I every time I watch it, I, I even like it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, I mean, John David Washington just really embodied, like, you know, this is where being a former football player really helped him out. I mean, he really is able to embody the the skill set to be able to make that scene work so well, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, and, and then uh, and of course, this one just like you know, again, just the way, even the way they shot it with the flyers falling from the sky you know, onto yeah. those guys. And he's just like, he's just trying to use the restroom. And all of a sudden they start, they start shooting this guy. I'm like, that's terrible, man. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I think Nolan just has a way. And, 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 
it has me even more excited to see what happens next month, right? Like he just has a way of like grabbing your attention to me. It's like, hey, we're on this ride. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. It, it really it makes you feel like for that Oppenheimer film because I'm 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 automatically looking forward to it because it's another Nolan film. But just mm-hmm. to see what's he going to do with that opening with everything that he's been talking yeah. about, I definitely think think uh, that should be really spectacular. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, and now we're getting to the second half of our, our review. And to start with the most memorable quotes I had, we shall never surrender. Also, wars are not won by evacuations. Uh, seeing a home doesn't help us get there from Commander Bolton. Also, men my age dictate this war. Why should we be, be allowed to send our children to fight it from Mr. Dawson? Then finally, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We, we will uh, We will not surrender. Um, to you overall, what were some of the quotes that you kind of felt as though were, were the main standouts? Yeah, the, the you know, this one from the blind man. Um, it's like you know, he's like, you know, well done, lads. You know, and he's like, all we did was survive. It's like, well, that, that's enough, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I feel like, I feel like that was like so much of the you know these stories from these uh from these individuals is that you know just doing what they can to survive is like the biggest thing you can do, right? At the end of the day, I just want to survive. Um, yeah, the 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 line um um the the line whenever uh the commander has the uh the binoculars and sees the boats coming when he's like you know what what is it and, you, and you're like oh man this is like U boats showing up on the shore ready to to start mm-hmm. destroying these guys it's like no it's it's home and just you know it's really kind of and I love how it's like uh, it's just home like like home is here right. Um, and just, 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 you know, just that longing for some kind of peace in the yeah. midst of the chaos and the experiences. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't really say it's a really heavy, um, you know, I think, I think Nolan's had other films and I think this is not the case, you know, with every film that he does, but I think he's had other films where there was more, more dialogue than this one had, right? There was a little more talking involved. I was yeah, going to say one. that this one, yeah. it, there was an absence. It almost was like. Mm-hmm. There was more communication in an indirect way, like yes. in a nonverbal way. Yes. You could just feel things through the body language. But with this, yes. this it, 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 compared to other films, there, were, there was really an absence of the dialogue. Like, like the the scene when the the soldier is just stripping his gear and just goes straight into the ocean, right? And like, you know, obviously to to take his life. And it's like, man, like you know, just again, it's all about the like you just you just you just said it perfectly. The body language is what really kind of helps drive the film. Like the fear in their eyes whenever they're about to get shot down. The the uh, the joy in their faces whenever they they have a moment where they are relieved from their their suffering. Right. Yeah. I mean, just that was really kind of the heart and driving force of the film. It wasn't like a moment where they're like, oh, that really kind of drove home what what, what we're going for. Right. So yeah. Absolutely. Um, and now getting to what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, to me, just how it builds upon the tension and fear through, like, like we mentioned, the eerie sound and, and accurately depicting how haunting it was for just like anyone willing to step into the position of, of the battle fatigue soldiers, I thought was was done just so accurately um, in, in an accurate fashion. So you, like, what particular element of this storyline uh, did you kind of like the most? Man, you know... Uh... The, the balance of time, like, I mean, so, you know, so, you know, it starts off, I remember, first time I watched it, I was like, okay, what does it mean by one week? Okay, 
a day, an hour. And you, when you kind of like are really kind of able to piece it together and you see these elements happening all throughout the film, it's like, oh, this is like a really, this is, again, no one doing his masterclass and like balancing and playing with the moments of time, right? Yeah. Um, and it just, I mean, it, it, it's a driving force for his films. It will always be a driving force for his films. Um, and um, it, that really kind of intrigued me on the second watch, right? I like how he was able to really balance that out and make it work and make it. I mean, obviously, if you if you if you know if you know how he click if you know how he ticks, and you're going to pick it up, you know, instantly. Yeah, you, you'll be able to pick it up fairly quickly, right? Um, but uh, but untrained eyes <laughs> will be will be so lost in this film, uh, yeah. and, and, and probably in other films that he does too. I, I, my I, God, God bless her. My wife does not like Christopher Nolan films. She's like, really? I don't, I don't want to have to think about. It. I mean, like, I mean, she, she I mean, she'll get the down. First time I ever heard you say that. <laughs> yeah, like she, you know, she will get down on like the Batman films, but like if she has to sit there and think through what she is watching, she's just like, I'm good. I'm out of here. So she's like, he's just, like, it's like he's just so weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> So, uh, so so usually I can get away with seeing Nolan films in theaters by myself because I don't have to worry about uh, planning a date night for that one. So, <laughs> but uh, but no, yeah, I, I think just just the elements of time um, and just seeing how like you know how these moments that we've already witnessed are then kind of taken from the advantage point of the person who sees them after we've seen it, right? Yeah. So because you know, like obviously the. The quickest one in the law is the airplane sequence, right? You know, where they're in the air, like they're the ones moving the fastest through everything that's going on in the storyline, right? So, so we're seeing these things kind of play out, but then like Nolan almost kind of slows it down towards yeah. the end, right? I, 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 like I mentioned that that moment when you see the planes, like you know, different moments of time, but it's the same airplane. Like you says, oh, 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 no, and then boom, yeah. he gets shot down. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, just just being able to finagle that and, and do that, um, it really kind of helps drive the story home. Um, just to how you know everything is connected. You know, like it's not like it's not told like in a moment. And you know, I even saw somebody say this: like, you know, if you put this film in chronological order, it probably does not hold up as well as it could, right? That is because true. Um, because now because now because when you have it kind of scattered a little bit then you're held by the, the element of like, oh man, what's going to happen here? Like you, you're having, you, you have to be kind of like led along the rest of the way. Yeah. That, that is, that is an accurate point. Um, and, and looking at, you know, Tom Hardy's performance, cause it's interesting, like Nolan, he does this thing that other directors do where he'll bring yeah. on in like the people he's familiar with and he likes yes. to use them up for a lot of films. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on his performance and also like looking back at some of the other actors Christopher Nolan has used so much, like who are the other ones that, that, that kind of stand out to you in terms of the people that he's used regularly and like really work well with, with, with his style and direction for, for his movies? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, um, we, we could point to so many directors. Like, I mean, obviously you, you look at the Scorsese way. It's going to be De Niro. Mm-hmm. It's going to be DiCaprio. Uh, it's gonna be Pacino. Like he's going to like like that's kind of like his big three, right? Like yeah. those are the ones he's always going to do do something with, right? Um, you know, and it's just like with Nolan, obviously Tom Hardy is a big factor. Of that Cillian Murphy is a big part of that. Uh, Michael Caine, Michael Caine. He, even even though he wasn't in this film, obviously a huge part of that. 
Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, uh, the actor who plays the commander, um, uh, Kenneth uh, Branagh, like he oh, yeah. was in, yeah, he was in Tenet, right? Um, trying to think about some other ones that stand out on top of my head. I mean, obviously he's done, you know, he did, of course, the Batman films with Christian Bale, but then he also did the Prestige with Christian Bale as well, right? Um, so, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, it, when you have people who, who know what you want and are able to communicate That's your story. Key. I think some it, actors it, would not, I think some actors would be so confused with what you want. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but also too, I mean, you think about how many times, like, I mean, like I mean, let's take a look at interstellar, right? Um, like he, obviously interstellar hit the right time for Matthew McConaughey because that's when his career took a whole oh, yeah. different shift. Yeah, right. It was a peak. Yeah. It was a different uh, peak. Yeah, absolutely. Because at, at that point in time, he's coming off of true detective or he's either coming off of or going into true detective. Right. But that's all taking place into, around. Yeah, yeah. Taking place around that same time. Right. So his career just like took off on a whole other level, but there's also a point too of like Nolan kind of bringing in kind of these relatively unknown individuals and then they become yeah. like stars, right? Like I had never heard of Celia Murphy until I watched Batman Begins. Oh, me, sure yeah, me too, me too. Yeah. I and, never. And, <laughs> and obviously, this is a byproduct of like just not knowing. But like Christian Bale, I had no idea who he was till Batman Begins, right? And but I think, maybe, but I think that like took his like it took his career to a new level, right? Yeah. Because it was something. It was a blockbuster film, and obviously, no. I mean, Bale had done many other things before that, but that was just different, man. That's a different, you know, tapping into a different source of fandom when you are playing a superhero, a kind of superhero like Batman, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, he just has a way of like kind of pulling in these people and then seeing it really kind of blast off in a really, really, really cool way. And um, yeah, but I mean, Tom Hardy, obviously he is, he's a mainstay staple. And uh in, in in Nolan's films, but I'll say this, man: like I highly anticipate like to see this cast coming up for Oppenheimer and how this is going to play out. This might this I this is the one cast that probably rivals the cast from Inception because I think up to this. I point, mean, we might as well we might as well just talk about like what are your expectations? Yeah. Do you have expectations for 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 Oppenheimer? Oh, I mean, I do. I mean, because I I know what to expect from Christopher Nolan, right? And yeah, I think just you know seeing seeing some of this kind of behind the scenes footage of like what he has done, it's like what it's like you know. So I've never seen, I think I've ever seen a major motion picture in IMAX. I'm going to see this movie in IMAX because because I want to see Same. it <laughs> in all in all of its glory, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I carry the expectation that this is going to be. It, it you know I I I I anticipate it seeing kind of where it falls for me on the grand scale of like Nolan films I've taken over that, that I've taken in over the last twenty years of my life right yeah uh, I I, I want to see like how he brings this cast together with it's Cillian like for Murphy, me like when I see a, when I see Robert a new Downey. Jordan yeah when yeah. I see a new Jordan Pill film I'm 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 anticipating it obviously highly because I know what he does what his previous work yeah. is. But I'm also thinking, like, where is this going to rank in his in his catalog? <laughs> it's just, it's just sure. natural to think because you just like, can he outdo himself? And so I think that's the he same thing that translates with Christopher Nolan. Yeah, and um, um, but 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 unfortunately, I think one thing yeah, we, we talked about this whenever we uh, we reviewed um, um, 
well, nope, when we did nope, right? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. the, like, even though I think we come away like really kind of like fascinated by it, you know, obviously it, it was another, another film that Peel did. I think he did well. And I think it could be one, looking back on it now, I think it could, be, could really be one of those ones that really ages well the longer it's yes. the longer it's out. But but I still left that movie. I was like, man, but it wasn't get out. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't get out, right? Sometimes like when you jump out the gate with something that is just so right. just mm-hmm. a cylinder in every right. category, it, it's just tough to, to reach that peak again. It's it's so tough, man. It's but so Nope tough. is really good. Nope is still really good. Yeah, no, just, Nope is good. And, uh, yeah, even us is a good film. Yeah. But but it's still not get out. Like at this point, it's all it's all under get out for me, right? Um, and, 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 you know, with Nolan though, because he, and kind of go back to what we talked about earlier, you know, you can almost kind of have several categories for his stuff, right? Um, I think you have kind of your espionage, like, you know, saving something. So that's like Inception, Tenet, all yeah. that stuff kind of falls into that, Same right? Category. Right. Yeah. You have like your superhero category plus the Batman trilogy. Then you have kind of like your, Science fiction, yeah, we have like you know, um, Interstellar, all that stuff, right? Um, and that, and then now you now you have a category with historical moments, right? With Dunkirk going into Oppenheimer, right? So he he started to dip his well. I mean, obviously, the elements of his films are all over every one of those films, right? Um, you, you you're gonna get what you're gonna get there, right? Um, but at the end of the day, th- there is a, a versatility to his films that maybe some other guys don't have, right? Um, I was, I, think- I was literally, and I'm, I'm going to be honest because, like, I, Scorsese is is like my top mm-hmm. favorite director overall, uh, one of my top favorite directors. I, I have to say, I have to add Nolan in there. I've read so many Nolan films, um, but it's it's interesting to me. Like you, you talk about guys like him and Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. The thing with Christopher Nolan that I think just makes him just so different, like you said, you literally can box his movies in different categories, mm-hmm. different brackets. You can't really do that with a lot of directors because some directors, they just are comfortable with the lane they're in. And I think with Nolan, that's he just continues to like test himself in a way. He continues to branch out. He never, to me, Nolan is never comfortable with, with what he enjoys. He always wants to see like, what's the next big spectacle I can reach. Yeah. And, and and that's the thing too is like he's not just he's not just turning out films to turn out films, right? Yeah. He's actually, I mean, let's see. Tenant came out was it twenty twenty? We're three years removed from Tenant, right? You know, before that Dunkirk was seventeen. So that's three years before that. I mean, he's. I mean, so it looks like he's like on every three year trajectory, he's right? A three-year so cycle. Bat- yeah. Yeah, I think Batman Dark Knight Rises. That was that was you know three. That was twelve. Twenty twelve, yeah, so, I think. Wow. And, so and Dark 20, Knight was oh eight. Dark Knight was oh, yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, I think that was probably delayed a little bit due to Ledger and all sorts yeah. that happened with yeah. him, right? But but you also had Inception right between that, right? So you had Inception, yeah, yeah, yeah two years Inception, two years Dark Knight Rises, a couple years Interstellar. Now you have three years, and you have Dunkirk. Another three years Tenet. Another three years you have Oppenheimer, right? So he's not just churning out stuff just for the sake of it. I mean, even Scorsese. He doesn't drop a movie every year, right? Um, but he's but, dropping but, one. He's dropping one. Killers of the Flower Moon, which he hasn't yeah. done in a while. He hasn't done mm-hmm. a movie in a while. But he takes his time as well, for sure, for sure. And also, I mean, 
I think I think Scorsese also has the he has the ticking clock against him right now. Right. Yeah, I mean he's true. not he's not exactly the youngest man. Um and the good thing about you know Nolan is is that, you know, um it, you know, Lord willing, we get at least another two decades of his films stacked yeah. up, right? That's true. Um, which would be phenomenal, right? And to be able to see how he plays it out continuing on and continue telling story after story after story, right? Um, should be really interesting to see how that plays itself out. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting to, to uh, our next topic, 10 years from now, do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing? Uh, this this is an interesting one because I, I think it's split in half. I think for the really yeah. diehard Nolan fans, they'll still, they'll still watch it to impre- appreciate the storytelling uh, it's not going to be that instant one you go to. Like me and Savon, we talk about how, how how directors have certain movies that, okay, those are the instant go-tos. This one is going to be like in the middle of the catalog. Um, I, I guess I would say it's partially yes, <laughs> partially yes, because I, I, I think for casual moviegoers, they're not mm-hmm. going to just instantly yeah. want to watch this. Um, but 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 how do you think this will, will age another decade from now? Yeah, I, I think I think it will age well. I think it will age well. But but I would but, but I think to your point, I think you're also right. Like okay, let's. Um, so here, uh, now that I'm recalling the times I first watched it, so I remember watching that, and I remember watching 1917 right after that, right? Which if you if you put the two up against each other, Nolan, I love you, man. I'm riding riding hard for you. But 1917 is a better film, right? Because, and mainly because, like, that the whole one shot montage of that film is insane. <laughs> yeah, if, if, you know, for those who are listening, if you have not, um, if you have not seen how they rehearsed the scene where the soldier is running through the battlefield, YouTube it right now and just watch the spectacle of how they were able to film that in one shot it is phenomenal yeah. right um so um so yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting I, I think if, if if somebody's like a like a world war ii movie buff i it's gonna be on the watch list it's, it's, it has to be on the watch yeah, list right yeah for sure. right um this is one of the top war films we, we've had in a for while sure <laughs> for sure right um but but yeah i mean don't come like don't come expecting it to be like this big spectacle, like a Saving Private Ryan or, you know, any other war film has come out. It's just not, I mean, there's moments of action and moments of like, you know, explosions and bombs and all that stuff. You got to wait for it. Right. You got to wait for it. Right. (laughs) Because like, it's not just here just to, just to drop quite literally drop bombs on you. Right. It's here to tell a story, a long, elongated story. And even though it's not a long, it's not necessarily a long film. It's probably yeah. I, I don't I don't have this in front 40, of me. Like yeah, but it might be one of no one's shortest films. He has that could be especially compared to Oppenheimer, which could be three hours long. And I but, think that uh, was intentional. I think that was yeah. honestly intentional. From I think Nolan was like, I know they are not gonna. This is not gonna be something they're used to. I mm-hmm. need to make this shorter than what my average film would be. Yeah. So it's so it, it's, it's going to make the list for some people. You know, you have your you're going to have your Nolan fans who are going to watch his catalog from here till Kingdom Come, right? You're going to have your your war war buffs who are going to really want to you know see kind of that story be told out. Um, yeah, and and then, and then you might have like just your casual observer who just might pop it in and be like, "Yeah, the same for me." On to the next one, right? So yeah, we'll that, find that, out. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely true. And, and 
Um, I ha- had a bonus question a- as yeah. well because obviously, you know, we, we talk so the, the whole catalog that Christopher Nolan has is something that that is so easy to dissect and analyze a lot. But my question was was how many classic films does Christopher Nolan have? And I've been like going back and forth with this the last few days. Um, I went with five because I think The Dark Knight is definitely one. Mm. Um, Inception, The Prestige, Memento, yeah. and Batman Begins. Um, I think those are those are five really classic films. I, I would have Interstellar right out of that list because I think yeah. there there are parts where Interstellar is too long and it and it does mm-hmm. miss just kind of that um, that sense of purpose near the end, latter end of the film. Obviously, a very good film. I still rewatch it at any point, uh, but it just kind of missed the mark for me. Um, to you, like looking back at his catalog, how, how many classic films would you say Nolan has? Yes, I think. Um... I think I would probably go with I, I, I'd probably go with three. I think as far as like that are critically and universally acclaimed, and you got the Dark Knight um, again, just storytelling, acting, everything about that film is perfect. There's just there's just nothing about that film I do not like. Um, I, 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 Listen, I'm, we're just throwing up time here, right? Like we, <laughs> um, you know, hearing hearing Aaron Eckhart, Aaron Eckhart talk about the scene they filmed that him and Heath Ledger filmed in the hospital when Dent got blown to pieces, and the Joker comes in there. Like he said, there was nothing written for that for that scene. Mm. That was all just like Heath like doing his thing. Yeah, just impromptu and like. Um, and of course, Aaron was just playing off of Heath and what he was doing as a Joker, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, just that was just the perfect storm of everything that could happen in a superhero film, and it will forever be the top. It will be the greatest thing that's ever been created when it comes to superhero genre. I don't see anything topping it. I mean, even listen, I love Endgame. I think Endgame is probably one of the most emotionally driven films I've ever seen, right? But there's just something about the Dark Knight and this the way that it's shot, the maturity of it, everything just makes it a really special film. Um, Inception is special, number one, because the cast is amazing. Leo, um, Tom Hardy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I mean, just keep stacking up this cast. And I will put that cast against any, almost any film that Nolan's done, right? Um, and dealing with the elements of time, dealing with how big and expansive the world is in that movie. Um, you know, kind of the, the espionage like flair of it. It's just a really fantastic film, right? Um, and then, let's see, third, yeah, third, I'm going with The Prestige. And number one, because The Prestige holds a special place in my, my heart because it, it gripped me at a young age. I was 16 years old when I first watched it. And uh, <laughs> I actually remember watching it, uh, and so for those of you who are watching at home, I watched it on an iPod screen that was like that big. So, <laughs> and literally, I'll never forget. Like uh, again, another classic opening scene, right? Where you, you know, the film opens up, and you see all these top hats spread across the field, and then Michael Caine starts going to his whole thing where he's doing the the disappearing bird trick, and then you know, all of a sudden, you see Hugh Jackman drowning in a water tank. Like, what is going on? Jarring. <laughs> like, um, but again, I, I get just another fantastic cast man bale jackman scarlett johansson michael kane um shout out to andy circus and his little mo- the, a, a, a little montage in there 
I mean, it's just a so that one I will hold, that will always hold a special place for my. I think I, I, don't, I don't know if you call it like a cult classic, but I think it's just a classic Nolan film. Yeah, and uh, like anybody I ever talked to who is a serious movie person, they're like, oh yeah, instead, you know, or, or, or I'm sorry, uh, I was like, oh yeah, like the Prestige. Yeah, that, that that's one. That's it's one, one of those, man. Mm-hmm. It's definitely one of those. Uh, and and I, I'm thinking of also the fact that. Um, I think there are movies of his that can continue to kind of grow up in those ranks. Because for me, like, I'm always conflicted about just where The Dark Knight Rises is at. Because yeah. it's, it's it's so interesting to me, like, a, a very good, it's not a classic, a very good film, though. And it's, I think it always will have that scar of following The Dark Knight. Like, like yes. when you look back at a film like The Dark Knight Rises, I, I, I absolutely love that movie. I think Bane is incredible. He's so menacing. Anne Hathaway with what she does with Catwoman is so good. It's an amazing end to that trilogy. Like, how do you feel as though that movie kind of stands up even years later? I mean, I think it stands up just fine. You know, um, and again, it's just I know some I know there's, there's some Batman films that or some Batman fans I know who do not who do not like that film at all. Um, and I would say I think Pattinson's Batman film eclipsed it. In a way. I think so. Think so. um and, and, and again it's not taking anything away from it but uh it, remember, remember when we were there's just too that. many memorable scenes in that dark knight rises for me to say it's not good it's just you if you yeah. go back to it it's just so many good ones like yeah i mean it, but but it, it's good i mean it's not a it's not a bad film i mean listen i could stack up you know 10 marvel movies at, at this point right now that are Six yeah. feet under the Dark Knight Rises, right? Sure. So come on, like with uh, what, some of the recent <laughs> ones we've gotten, come on, like that is a, a masterpiece comparison. <laughs> I know, and literally a masterpiece. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's forever. It, you know, yeah, the Dark Knight Rises is forever scarred by the Dark Knight, right? Um, and you, 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 you look through all throughout the curse. cinema history that that first one, man. Um, like you know, like the, I mean, obviously, like you, you, you look to the Godfather. That one's kind of like this is different. And I think the third one, like, can't bear the weight of two good movies on yeah, top of his yeah. shoulders, right? So, but um, but yeah, man. I mean, looking back, I mean, it will always be a movie that I, you know, I won't, I won't like turn it on right now and watch it, right? But, but you know, like, you know, like, uh, like my uh, so my son right now, he is uh, um, he. We always ask these questions back and forth, right? He's a three year, he's a three year old. Obviously, there's a lot of things that he can't watch right now. So, uh, so he always asks me, like, hey, Daddy, what's your favorite movie? I'm like, oh, I really like the Batman movies. Like, he's like, there are bad guys in there. I'm like, yeah, there's bad guys in there. Lots of bad guys. Batman stops them. It's great. So, like now, when I was like, hey, Cortland, what's your favorite movie? He's like, the Batman movie. When I get older, <laughs> so it's like it's already it's already built into his psyche that he's gonna love he's the gonna Batman. Be listening back to these episodes. <laughs> Hey, my dad was right. My dad was right. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just a, I mean, again, it's just, I mean, even, even looking to some of the older Batman films, right? I mean, obviously there is a, I think even the Michael Keaton one is, is a phenomenal, oh, phenomenal oh, movie. The Keaton ones have aged yeah. so well. I really Seriously. think they aged really well. Um, and I can't wait to see him. And, and the Flash this weekend, I think it's going to yes. be a, it's going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait to see that film. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, man, it's um, it, it's all about what, 
I mean, what are people longing for at that moment, right? And uh, and I think you know, this 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 next film that comes out in July, I think it's going to be able to set it. up something pretty pretty significant, right? Uh, it might be able to pull in some people who otherwise might just kind of pan a Nolan film. Um, so especially again with with the with this cast that he is carrying, I think it's going to kind of pull in a whole different a whole different stratosphere. Like I can't wait to see how Robert Downey Jr. is in a Christopher Nolan film. Like I want to see how uh, how a director like him really kind of pulls Downey Jr. and probably to a hopefully like another tier or like an yeah. Emily Blunt. How is that going to affect her? And of course, even like some of these characters, they, like some of these, I'm like I didn't know this person was still acting anymore. Like Josh Hartnett, <laughs> where has that dude been for like 20 years? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, no but one's yeah, bringing right? people back. <laughs> I mean, listen, he's resurrecting careers and all that kind yeah. of stuff, man. <laughs> Give that man his flowers. Absolutely. Well, well, uh, Trent, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And like we mentioned, Oppenheimer next month. Uh, can't can't wait to see what's going to happen there, bro. Yeah, you best believe there ain't going to be no Barbie review on this podcast. No, it's gonna be not Oppenheimer. at all. Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Ain't going to be no Barbie review on this podcast. No. Uh, uh, say Bob. <laughs> Say bye. If you want to go see a review on your, you can do it in your own time, man. But, but July, <laughs> July, man, make your reservations for Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. That's right. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm Post Winter Burns. This is Scope. See you later.